You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Entering the vicious circle. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. I'm the man when I walk, the ground shakes. I am the master. And welcome to the Vicious Circle. Hey, bud, how you doing tonight? Good, Rob. How about you? I don't ever get tired of that intro, man. What a cool intro. That is so cool. I, I love it. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, though. All you know, right. right at the end there, when you clothesline the guy on the stretcher and it yeah. hit that cord on the guitar, Yeah, that was all an accident. Really? Yeah. I dropped the footage in there and I played it and it went, wow, that was good. So I That just was good. Yeah. That was really good. Oh. Look at this. Jeremy is already here. He goes, uh, what's up, Rob and Sid? How's it going, my buddies? I am watching the Patriots play right now versus the Seahawks. Patriots were winning when I uh, walked in here to do this uh, podcast. They yeah. intercepted the ball and ran it down for a touchdown. McCourty. Well, we have to keep up on that game then. Right. Now, you know, someone asked me a while back who was going to win the NBA championships. Now, if ever, everyone remember, I said, the Lakers, and right now they're mowing through everybody pretty good. I think you're right. Yeah, if you remember that, guys, I called that. Will said, hey, Rob, did you make that intro? Yeah, I did. Uh, it's a song by Mike Treblecock and uh, a group called Cemetery Spawn, but uh, I threw the footage on it. <laughs> no, it was really good. Good job, uh, Rob. And you said, what was the guy's name, Michael Fungelbach? Uh, Michael Treblecock. Treblecock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> and as we said before, we're going to do a little bit of wrestling stuff. Oh, wait. Ryan Haskell just said it is, where is it? Seven to seven right now. Oh, good. Yep. Got to like it when the clo games are close like that. Well, it was a good game earlier. It was, uh, let's see, um, Kansas City and... Um, the, the Chargers went to overtime. I would, never would have called that. I thought that Kansas City would have handled them pretty easy. Um, and then um, Dallas, man, uh, of course, the line was three points. They won by one point, I believe, but went down to the wire. So that was pretty cool. So uh, Tennessee, same thing, went down to the wire today. So um, with no fans out there, they seem to be – well, some places had fans. Uh, I forget what place did. Uh, it's always scary looking to see that many people that close together now. Uh, but there were one, a couple of places. I forget where it was. Maybe was it Kansas City? Um, anyways, one place did have fans. I and I know in college, there was a place or two that had fans. Oh, Dallas had fans, of course. You know, Jerry Jones is going to have fans. Gotcha. Matthew said, Sid knows his basketball. Well, I don't really know the NBA that well, um, but I'm, I'm it's, with this environment, it's almost like playing one-on-one. It's hard to beat LeBron James at one-on-one. He's just a big bully, you know. Um, but now, I, usually I, I do know college basketball and college football pretty well. And we have here David Alderman. Hey, Sid, thanks for sending the <coughs> call. That meant a lot. Get that chat with you for a bit. Thank you, too, man, David. How did that go yesterday? Because you did a whole signing yesterday. <coughs> Went really well, man, uh, for, you know, for to be like that online. Uh, the people were really cool. I think it actually, Rob, was better for the people uh, because, you know, usually when you're at an autograph signing, the people are 
you know, got someone behind them and everybody's pushing and shoving. You know, these people really, uh, the one-on-one conversations were more like one-on-one conversations. Yeah, because it was just you guys in this virtual. It's like you and I right now. It was just right, you. right. And it's it's something you can't duplicate at a show. Like no, nothing will take away that show that getting to meet someone face to face. But this, it's no, it, it, it's a, it's it's got its advantages. Uh, you know, one I was working in the yard all day. For, I didn't have time to shower or shave, and came in here was able to do this, meet some people, <laughs> and you know, like you said, I I really I don't have to think I know that the people I talked with had a better one-on-one conversation than if we were, you know, at an autograph signing. Uh, the numbers weren't great because it, it's hard to get that many people, but I signed as probably many figures and stuff I signed at a signing. Uh, these guys, this guy, David and uh, Rocky, what a great job they're doing. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm crying. <laughs> I was about the burp. Um, no, when I think of Rocky and David, it makes me want to cry because they're so hideous looking. No, uh, really good guys. Um, they're doing right now. I mean, I could be <coughs> wrong and these guys could be full of me, but they seem to be truly honest. And I, I said something to them yesterday after, after we got done with how great a job they were doing. I said, and I said, you know, I know they probably already been through a lot and probably heard a lot. I'm not trying to say uh, they didn't hear a lot through me or didn't have to put up with a lot through me, which they didn't. But um, I said, you know, you guys doing a good job. Don't don't quit. You know, uh, as long as it doesn't, you know, you're not getting too tired or you're not being taken advantage of or stuff like that. And um, but what a great job they're doing. They are. Um, and they've been doing it all summer, every weekend right. on the summer. So they've got lots of practice. No, it'll be my luck tomorrow. Someone to call me. Go, said, yeah, I dealt with David and Rocky, and they screwed me over for $25. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think I told the story already, but this is what they did. I mean, I'm still a little shocked, and I told them this last night was, you know, they, I, I was just asking them, and I told them, I said, I never asked and never expected you guys to send that guy any money that you know, was having a hard time. Remember the guy's oh, picture? Wow. Uh, right. And so, um, Tojo. Yeah. Tojo. And so, and so, um, I said, man, did y'all really send that money? Because one, you just don't see that kind of Jerry, uh, uh, um, that kind of kindness, um, in this business or anywhere where someone would send someone five dollars, fifty dollars, or whatever. I think they said five hundred dollars. I think it now. Went. Well, the thing is that first of all, I don't want to, you know, for that story not to have been true, and then. Then, then be taken advantage of. I, I, I told them. I said, I don't think so. The guy never would have. I don't think he ever would have done that. Uh, I want to hear from him for usually good conversation. He, and we've he's never called me over the years and asked for anything. Uh, I know he's had a h- horrible time with his health of late. And um, so again, like I told them, and like my, my aunt told me once, or you know, when you do something for someone, you do it unconditionally and. And usually people aren't going to ask you for something that they don't really need it for something, you no, know, you know, right. you know what I mean? So, uh, again, David and Rocky, man, uh, shout out and kudos to you guys. If that is really a word, kudos, I can't believe I just said that. Wow. <laughs> I don't Hold know on. Wow. I, mean, I just but... said kudos. Is it Christmas time? Something weird so. like that? It's okay. Like anyway, it's weird. Anyway, you guys are doing a good job, man. <sighs> Um, I was going to jump into some questions, but it looks like we got a good one here from Larry Francis. Hey, Sid, was it Dusty Rhodes or Ole Anderson's idea to put the WCW World Heavyweight title on Rick Rude? You know, I'll be honest with you. I um, I don't re- remember whose idea it was. Um, I remember it happening and stuff, but again, I've been pretty honest about this. I don't really pay attention to things like belts or what other people are doing. Uh, Rick was always a cool guy to talk to funny as hell in the locker room. And I got a chance to ride with him just a couple of times. Just funny, funny, funny guy to talk to. But no, I, I forgot. Honestly, I forgot that he had the belt, um, but I wouldn't know whose idea it was. Gotcha. 
Okay. Now I've got a couple questions I'm going to toss in here because uh, we were talking before about you coming back to the WWF or WWF, whatever you want to call it now. Right. And uh, we had talked about you coming back in, but I've always wondered who came up with the gimmick Psycho Sid? Uh, Vince McMahon did. He did. Was there any talk with you at all about a name or a gimmick or anything? No, Rob, we talked about that um, before. I got there to the television taping and I, I think it was Augusta, Georgia and walked to the ring and came back. And, and those, I want to say we did more than one taping sometime, but those places like that to save money. But I know I went to the ring several times and never hit me uh, what the music was or, you know, what the whole thing was until one of the guys in the back said, you, you realize what your name is and what your music is? And I went, no. And, and then they pointed it out to me. Again, I, that doesn't bother me. Actually, I thought it wasn't a bad gimmick, you know. Um, and I worked, I worked pretty hard to get it over. I, I didn't work as hard to get it over as I, you know, in the beginning because I sort of resented that after I realized what they were doing. I wouldn't, like, work with the crowd with it. But it was such an easy deal to work with. It was eventually I just sort of caved in, um, you know, and made the best of what I had. It gave you that edge to be a little crazy, a little crazier. No, it did. Uh, that's the thing about it. It opened up a lot of doors. And that's really when my interviews started really expanding, you know, where I could really pull some cool shit out, you know. Nice. <clears throat> so then now that you got the gimmick, whose idea was it to put you as Sean's bodyguard to come back in? That was Vince's idea. That, that's something he laid out to me in the very beginning. They wanted me to come over and work with Kevin, be Sean's bodyguard, make the transition for him from heel to baby face. And then, you know, and then from there, you know, to see what happened and what happened. Of course, we know I ended up reversing everything and um, got off that whipping post, which we've talked about. Yes. Cause that led right up to WrestleMania. Now, I got to ask, what was it like to come to the ring with Jenny McCarthy? It was pretty cool. You know, uh, of course, wasn't also um, um, Pamela Anderson there as well? Yeah. Yeah, she was. I think she was in the other corner. She was in the other corner. Now, um, of course, it was cool. It wasn't like, again, I was talking about one of the most uh, memorable locker room visits with a famous person was james brown so that's never going to be topped you know what i mean exactly so jenny mccarthy was cool but she was just down to earth you know simple normal girl you know um i hate saying this but up close not that attractive oh really (laughs) yeah cameras can do that i'm not kidding man i hate i don't like throwing people under the bus but uh (laughs) yeah uh i've heard her say this too now rob that they call her the stretch mark queen of Hollywood or something. And I'd say that was probably somewhat true. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. I've never heard that. That's interesting. You've heard that. I've never heard that actually. Okay. No. Okay. Look at that. I, I don't know a lot of gossip about her to be totally honest. So but I just heard her say that in an interview one time and I saw her up close, not with the clothes off, just, uh, her panties. No, <laughs> well, <laughs> just kidding. No, she was wearing like regular, sh- you know, clothes and, um, I see why she said that. I'll leave it at that. There we go. <laughs> okay. One last question about this then during that match, you got up there and you distracted the ref. Was that the setup or was that just something you did on the fly? No, that's what we'd, um, talked about that. Now, um, I wasn't aware that the, the turn was going to happen so quick. Now, why I think the turn happened pretty quick is because everything leading up to, that WrestleMania um, with both of them. Every time we did anything involved, the three of us, they pretty much cheered for me. Even like at Russell at that show sitting on the floor as a bodyguard, they cheered my name the whole time, <laughs> the whole time that they were working almost in the, in the match. If you, you remember that. Mm-hmm. So I think they said, okay, Hey, we got to try to put it, put the brakes to this train because it's already, this isn't what we're wanting. We want these guys to get over, not see it, you know. And then that obviously the crowd knows what they want. And we've always right, right. People know. All right. Let's get a few questions in here from the fans. 
Ben Carmichael said, what did you think of the Attitude Era storylines involving hardcore violence and over-sexual segments? Did it belong in wrestling? No, I don't think so. Um, some of it, you know, I, I, I want some of a little bit of everything. I've always, uh, I've always, if I had a chance to do things, I'd want like, I'd want, I'd want like 50 people with me. I'd want a valet, a midget, you know, a rock group. I mean, that's just walking to the ring. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'd want that, um, you know, the good looking women. I'd want, I, you know, I, I think there's a place for the hardcore matches. I've always talked about, <clears throat> there's a lot of guys out there pretty good at it. I've not really paid attention to a lot of it, but one of the guys I did pay attention to was um, Rod Dam Dam and um, Sabu. You know, again, I think you put those guys in a match every night. Um, it's just part of the card. Uh, it helps, it helps, you know, pulling in that type of audience. They're the best at it. Uh, you have all those things on there, but then you, you know, you look around, you don't just say, okay, Hey, we're going to put Sid up there because he's a big guy. We look around and really put the guy up there on top or the people up at top that, you know, the, that everybody, you know, said, okay, this, this looks like this might work, you know? Um, not saying that Rod Van Dam and Sabu could never be the guys on top, but again, you know, I believe there's, there's a need and a place for everything in the wrestling business where we used to hear this, Rob, where you need a fat guy and a skinny guy and a, a midget and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe, but you need Rod Van Dam and you need a, uh, Lex Luger. Um, you need a British bulldog. Um, you need all those things. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Here is one from Steve. What's Sid's thoughts on Vince Russo? You know, I've said this a bunch of times too. Vince is a good guy as far as everything I know. Um, dealing with him through the years in WWF, we did one thing together. It was at the bar of Cheers there in Boston, the original place that had the place called Cheers, I guess. We did a little uh, magazine segment. Um, he did a few interviews for the company. He helped me with part of one interview one time i don't even know if i used it or not <clears throat> but a pretty nice guy then when he came to wcw you know we know that whole thing was just crazy uh what they were trying to do and again even at that point he was still a nice guy to me um i want and i've said this too i want to give you know someone in that position the chances to be successful even though i knew it wasn't going to be and i had bill bush the head guy excuse me um when I think of this Russo, I want to throw up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's burp. That's acid reflux. I just received thinking about Vince Russo. Thanks, Russo. No, uh, he, he was part of the, maybe the stupidest inter interview I've ever did. And that was because uh, uh, Bill Bush came to me personally and said, Sid, uh, we want you to really try to follow what Vince and Ed Ferraro is uh, trying to create. Because if you do it, you know, everybody else will sort of, say okay if Sid's doing it we didn't all do it as well yeah and um and I always was known to and this is honest I think anyone that worked with me or, or worked you know as a booker for or was my booker or something I never asked what the outcome was I didn't know what the uh what was happening in three months or three weeks I tried to show up like I always said just show up not about worry about who I'm working with just go do my job and do the best ability to be to be the best and and put everything behind me and, and not worry about this because this isn't real and um, do a good job of acting and blah, 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 you know? So. Um, it makes sense. You know, it you know does, I mean? try to give the man a chance, you know, right. And he did some good stuff. This the thing is, I, I mean, and again, I never saw anything great. He did um, in, in WCW. I mean, <clears throat> I remember telling Bill Bush one time, um, I said, Bill, I said, my exact words, I said, Bill, you have been flim-flammed. <clears throat> he said, what do you mean? What's what's flim-flam, Sid? I said, means they, they bullshitted you, Bill. <laughs> you know, uh, my exact words to him. Everybody, I think it got into the dirt sheets uh, all over the internet or something that Sid was screaming at Bill Bush in the hall. Um that wasn't, I was just trying to tell him, man, I said, man, this can't be real. You know, I think um, you and I have said on the podcast too, Vince was great with people because right, 
flesh out an idea, but when he got by himself in WCW, it was like, oh no. Well, I think uh, Ed and Vince both were honest about what they were trying to do, and that's just, I think, really just use WCW for for a resume to, you know, uh, get some sitcom or something. You know, um, I don't see how. I, again, it's just, huh, it was uh, to me, it was. Um, I really pulled myself away from. You know, I had aspirations of wanting to be in the office side of business. Um, I actually went to one booking meeting that Kevin and they were putting on. It was just so non-productive. And um, I, I said, you know, I'm just a few days I got off. I'm going to spend at home. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to waste. I'm not going to waste my days off. You know, I wanted to so bad. So I thought one day it would happen. And then Vince Russo came in. I thought, okay, these guys might run their course, you know, but then um, I said, you know, what? This, it, it isn't worth it, you know? Well, it was an interesting time during that period too, though. So. It, it was, but again, it was just like, so I just, like everyone did, Rob, for the most part, they go, okay, I've got my deal. I'm going to have a lot of fun during this. I'm going to eat well and go to nice restaurants and, you know, everything. I'm just going to have a great life between now and then. And that was a great place to do it. Okay. We've got one here from Graham Wood or Graham Weeks. Sorry. Uh, how tall are you really, Sid? I know WWF had you at 6'9", but some people have said you're really 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I don't know. Are we going to kayfabe this one? No, I, I always measured. You no, know, I, I remember the last time I was measured barefooted. I was like just a hair over 6'6". Six, six. There you go. That's legit. Uh, Wilson has got a good question. Sid, with Halloween the Halloween around the corner, what's your favorite horror movie? I barely heard you, Rob. You were cutting out a little bit, but oh, I so know sorry. you said uh, yeah. horror movie. Yeah, Man, what did you say? With Halloween around the corner, what's your favorite horror movie? You're really echoing, Rob. Oh, really? Just a little bit. Um, now, as far as old horror movies, uh, is The Night of the Living Dead, the old one. Uh, it's just, You froze up, Rob. There, you're moving a little bit. There you go. Okay, we're good. But um, my old the old movies I like watching old horror movies, um, like Night of Living Dead, the original one. Um, but then probably one of my favorite movies of all time, horror movie, or whatever, uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, that's not really like a Halloween movie, but it's still a good one. You know, uh, I know I've got a couple friends of mine. They watch that every Halloween. Do they? Yep. So, yeah, that's a good choice. Right. That's a good one. Uh, here's a question from George. Uh, when you came in as Psycho Sid, you went straight into a program with Sean and Diesel, like we were talking. They were notoriously difficult to deal with. How was your relationship with them? It was perfect. Um, never um, never was difficult to deal with them. Um, They're easy to work with, uh, accommodating, you know, just... Um, Nothing like what people heard. Gotcha. Um, and matter of fact, I'll say this thing. Uh, Kevin, for example, he was one of those people like myself who didn't care like what the other person was doing, even the person he was working with. If that person didn't want to do his, you know, put him over or something like that, he didn't, he didn't, it didn't bother him. Uh, I've seen it happen when a guy didn't want to put him over. And I talked to him, but he goes, I said, Kevin, I, I know this guy told uh, Jerry Briscoe, he wasn't going to put you over here in his home. He goes, Sid, I don't care about that. I go, I know that. I just want to let you know. He goes, sure, sure, sure. So, uh, but Sean, on the other hand, it, those kind of things did bother him a little bit with, you know, like certain people. But as um, far as me and Sean, man, it was always, we got along great. Excellent. I, I saw this one. I'm curious. TJ Jones says, why don't you never go live no more? Well, we're live right now, so I'm not quite sure what that means tj yeah tj yeah maybe clear that up just a little bit and we'll definitely get back to that yeah uh let me see here here we go i'm a fan of your uh fan of you as a heel or a baby face but this brings up a question i'm going to ask you which did you prefer you know honestly if i i, I prefer to be in the heel <clears throat> 
I think that's where I honestly offered the most to the business was being a heel. Um, it's just, you know, in my opinion, the baby face is a little bit limited. The things you can do, you can only, you know, make so many comebacks. A heel, you got so many things you can do to achieve heat. I think that's why I had longevity in the business too, because uh, heel or baby face, uh, I knew how to, you know, on the heel part, that's how I kept myself over. And the few times I was baby face, it was just heat that I had as a heel. You know what I mean? That was like, man, we need somebody to fight somebody. Whoa, Sid's mean. He's a tough guy. So it was never like a run as a baby face, like, a, um, you know, Hulk Hogan run or something like that. It was just a short little deal for the most part, for whatever reason. Uh, but again, it wasn't like they weren't the mainstays of my career, the baby face periods. It was always the heel periods. And that's what people, that's what people talk most about. Like the one they talk about the match me and Sean, that's when I was a heel. You know, that's a, like you said, a lot of more, a lot more memorable moments there. Right. Excuse me. Uh, Wills has an update. It's 14, seven Pats. Okay, good. So they're still going. Um, here's a question. Would you have been in DX? We kind of talked a little bit about this. You know, the thing is, it was cool. DX was cool. And it would have been fun to be a part of just like it was fun to be a part of the horsemen. And it was fun being part of um, Team Madness for, you know, a short little time. But, like, for instance, when Team Madness came to me and said, <clears throat> said, we want to put uh, a London Blaze with you full time and keep this Team Madness thing going. I just said, guys, I appreciate that. But I'm pretty much – I like being a singles. And um, But this is what's cool about it. You know, even it's the mighty Sid Vicious that knows everything. I need a break, too. So that would be a cool way to uh, say if I'd come off a real tough or say a couple of years of uh, tough, real serious programs and I needed a break or something like that to just give myself a recharge, that'd be a perfect place to do it. OK, now I'm with a bunch of cool people now or having fun. And now that gives me time to regroup. OK, now what direction do I feel like going in this and what what's needed at that time? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's answered Jerry. Too, I'll put it up real quick. I once saw a video of you on YouTube with Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. What was? How did you actually fit into that group, into that classic stable? And that's kind of what you were just mentioning. Well, well, one thing about that, um, I was so green, and um, I just came off that injury. Now, right before I had that lung surgery, I really believe Rob and to the fans, I was really becoming. For I, I was really gaining some psychology for the business, meaning I really could dictate a match as a heel. I felt comfortable doing it. When I had that surgery, it took me about a year, and it really was like starting over. Uh, not that I ever became a good worker, but I was just learning. So when I came back is um, from the surgery, wasn't long after I came back, they put me with the horseman. Now, um, and to be honest with you, it wasn't, a great learning experience like it was with Eddie and Danny Spivey and Kevin Sullivan and the road warriors and the Steiners and all the people I worked with in four days like that, working with those guys, they, for instance, really Ric Flair and Barry Wyndham, they would never say, Hey, you know, they come up with all the spots in the match and it never involved me. And, um, only person that really ever did was Arn. Uh, and matter of fact, one of the fans, <laughs> uh, said something in, uh, in that, uh, meeting greet last night saying yeah i saw you with the horseman one night and you came in they tagged you in the people were going crazy to get you in you know what said you were really smart you knew not to give them too much you know what you did what what he said you grabbed a head a headlock and then you tagged out <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason why is because i didn't know what to do <laughs> that's how green i was i was just okay Shit, tag back out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Next. And they probably tagged me in without telling me too, you know? <laughs> That's what they did to me a lot. Oh, so man. it wasn't a great learning experience, but it was cool being, you know, something you, you know, everybody looked up to and that's being, you know, the four horsemen. Okay. <clears throat> this question I'm curious about. Um, is it true that when you were in pride of brotherhood, there was a tag team who said they were, they would take whatever you threw at them. And then they got their they got whooped in the ring. I'm sure it was. I'm sure that happened. Um, 
thing about uh, if, when we did that Pride of Brotherhood, we did it in a really small little um, independent group over in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And it was really like ECW, but worse, where it was just real physical. And uh, I do remember that that was sometime that was a place that people were, I don't know, it just seemed like there were a lot of people there. And I can't remember all the guys' names, but I remember everybody that thought they were too big for their pants. You know, uh, I had a couple of them say something really weird where actually I did challenge one of the guys. Uh, he went out to the audience and sit down. And I went out to the, and grabbed the microphone and challenged him. Uh, so there was a couple times that we got a couple guys in the ring and um, straightened things out, you could say. Gotcha. Okay. Um, where did it go? I just saw a question and then the screen jumped. Oh, well, I can't find it now. I'll go to the next one. Um, uh, what? you like the best sid vicious psycho sid or sid justice um sid vicious that is the one that is iconic yeah okay let's see here oh and there's tj he said sorry i was talking about kyle wagner okay so i guess he was telling asking kyle why he doesn't go live anymore oh okay and uh oh Larry Francis said, Sid's favorite horror movie is River of Darkness. <laughs> Larry Francis. Don't tell me that's Larry from Minneapolis or Minnesota. That's the Larry. He called me last night. Yeah. Right, right as we were starting to do that autograph signing. Time. Yeah, River of the Darkness. Sure, uh, Larry. <laughs> Carry your butt back to San Francisco. <laughs> we'll go down to Kenosha and try to stop all the riding. There we go. Yeah, stop being a chicken, Larry. Here is Wills. Oh, Wills has a question for me. Rob, where did you get the nickname Rob the Slob? Oh, man. Who gave <laughs> you that? That was Kenny. Uh, that's my uh, COVID con name. Oh, apparently, okay. okay. Apparently, there was a wrestler in the 40s named Bob the Slob. Okay. And then my buddy Ed. Wow. Yep. Kenny Casanova called you he, that? He's the one who gave me that name. Now, you know... I've been waiting for someone to ask me the question, so I'll ask it myself. Okay. Uh, the wrestling question. Sit in your lifetime, your career, what was the most horrific thing you ever witnessed or saw in your life? Good question. Okay. Or right, here's the answer. One day I'd got a phone call on my phone, and it was face. It said something, and I don't know how to FaceTime, right? Also, I, somehow I answered it, and it was Kenny Casanova with a robe. And I don't want, I don't even want to say I saw this, but with no clothes on. And that will be forever <laughs> stitched into my brain. You're going to be 106 with Alzheimer, but never forget. I'll that never one. get that. It's like, and he wasn't shy about it. I was like, oh, <laughs> stop that, Kenny. Stop. <laughs> ah, here is our great friend, Lori, from, uh, was it last week or the week before? Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, tell Sid I'm disappointed he's not wearing his Pink Floyd t-shirt this week. Oh, I'm sorry, Lori. I know I. I didn't have time to try to find anything like that. Uh, hey, and, and thanks for last week too, Lori. You had a, you did a great job, and um, really enjoyed having you on last week. That was a blast. Um, she messaged me afterwards saying thanks again. It was like it was our pleasure, honestly, because you brought a lot to that conversation. Oh, she did. Oh, you yeah. know what, too, and this is why I'm glad she uh, messaged tonight. This is the thing about the C, D, and E. This is what the the payoff was, and I forgot until after we hung up, um, that C, D, and E, of course, with the multivitamin, but C, D, and E, and they did tests where hundreds of thousands of milligrams of those vitamins were given to burn victims that came in so badly burned that they could not take a skin graft. And the, and the heavy thousands, hundreds of thousands of milligrams of this multivitamins and plus, and it was the C, D, and E was really elevated, help them recover fast enough to where they could take a skin graft. So that's when that, Oh, what happened? So that's after that study was done, they found that that combination helped everything recover faster. And that's why all of us and everybody in the fitness world was taking in mega doses of that. Interesting. Yep. I See, forgot about that until we get off there. Well, no, I'm, I'm glad you remembered. Um, 
Here is a quick question from Wills, because I remember you and I were talking about rumors one time, and this came up. Sid, did the WWE present you with the cane gimmick? And if they would have presented it to you, would you have taken it? No, they did. I mean, I always wanted to do um, the Lord Humongous gimmick, you know, because, um, you know, when I was doing it, I've, I've been honest, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, man. But if I could do a gimmick like that, you know, after I learned a little bit, uh, especially I think on a big stage somewhere, it could have really gotten over, you know. Um, but no, I, I didn't get the opportunity, but I think I might have thought about it. That. That would have been an interesting one because it was almost a Lord Humongous style because you had your face. It was. You know. This is this is the thing is, this is the whole deal about being Kane or Lord Humongous. It's working behind a a, a mask in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. uh, being a hockey mask or a, a, re a regular wrestling mask. One thing about a mask, and we were told this as we were in the business, that people wore masks and things like that, that you have to really project yourself twice as much uh, for, for, you know, to be – to you know to, for people to understand what you're trying to do and i think that's why i would do pretty good in a character like that because if, i mean i think i was pretty good projecting myself and if uh if i had you know if i had the freedom to do a character like lord humongous or kane that i had in the early you know through almost all my career sid vicious and psycho sid and and everything else i think i could have really done good with something like that that would have been cool to see and well, just think, you know, and I'd cut you off, Rob, but to cut you off. That's, um, <laughs> but again, you know, I had a pretty good interview. Imagine that scary interview coming from a hockey mask, you know. Right. I and then, not again, to cut you off, but all that, with that mask, a hockey mask, I could be 15 different people. That, you know, there's so many cool, that's where the theatrics come in. You know, you could do so much. Any kind of, any kind of mask covering is a beautiful gimmick just for that reason. Right. I, then, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I remember the angle Edge and Christian did uh, as the conquistadors. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a, a moment in there where everybody knew it was them, but they're going, no, no, it's not us. So they had two other people jump in the costumes so they could stand with them and say, see, it's not us. But right. the next match, it was them again. You know? Right, right, right. So no, it's there's so much stuff you could do with something like that. <clears throat> John's got a great question. Um, what was the best Sid powerbomb you ever hit on an opponent? Which one did you look at and go, that was nice? Well, <clears throat> hmm, wow. Um, There's a lot to choose from. Well, there is. This is the thing is, is uh, you know, Scott Hall, for instance, he, taught, he took probably the best powerbomb of all the people that did a powerbomb for me. Uh, and he pretty much did all the work. I mean, he would go, and he's a big guy. He just made it look so visual. And then he worked Japan so much, uh, that wasn't a big deal to him. So I, if, the, if you're trying to ask me for a person, it'd be Scott Hall. But um, I wouldn't. I never really drove Scott Hall in the mat like I did, say, some of those early days of Sid Vicious or the early days of Skyscrapers when me and Danny sometimes did the double power bomb. You know, I don't think it was as devastating as a single power bomb. But um, when I'd take those guys and they would fold like an accordion, those would be the, the, the ones that were probably the most physical. Yeah. I know visually, like you said, someone in the crowd going, that guy's dead, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, here is one from Craig going, Sid, are you a Black Sabbath fan? A little bit. I know, uh, Rob, you're, uh, you're echoing again. Okay. I think there's something with the internet tonight. I think it is, too. Hmm. But yeah, are you a are you a Black Sabbath fan? Yes, I am. Of course, you know uh, you can't not be a Black Sabbath fan. Uh, Black Sabbath fan, if you, you know, you know uh, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, because um, yeah, everybody I would think would be a Black Sabbath fan. How can you not be right? Right. Uh, Wills is back. Fourteen. Went to the, 14. I actually went to the concert. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I never uh, did yeah. see a concert. It was pretty cool, man. Uh, oh, here's one. Craig said the Hercules power bomb was unique. Given to Hercules? Yeah. You know what? People question me about the, that one. That's on our podcast. Actually, it's, it looks like a weak, uh, a weak power bomb. Now, a lot of people said that um, 
I know he wasn't comfortable with taking it. He was felt like he was being jobbed out or something. Um, but um, evidently he didn't sell it or something. I never really paid attention to that, you know. Um, but it wasn't it was wasn't the most beautiful power bomb. But see, to me, if I'm going up against somebody and they want me to do a job, that's what I want to do it with, like because that move looks right. vicious, you know. See what I did there? Right. <laughs> it looks vicious. So yeah, take me out that way because at least it looks legit. Right. Mm. Uh, Will's yeah, he, Will's commented here. It's fourteen fourteen now. Okay, cool. Thanks, Will. Yes. So let's get one more quick question, and then we'll get into the other topic. Uh, here's a good one. Who is this from? Rondell Turnage. How did it feel having a manager? How you felt about Harvey Whippleman? I think we touched on this briefly too. Well, I, I brought Harvey in to be my manager. Uh, long story, he was brought in to manage a couple other people and it didn't work out. <clears throat> I was turning from babyface to heel, and um, he was my manager as Lord Humongous and Continental. That's where we met each other and um, just felt like trying to help him out. Okay, I'm going to bring up one more just because this is good. Uh, Steve said, I listened to the Scorpions China White Skyscrapers theme song during my bench press. Can't wait for chest day tomorrow. No, that's a great uh, – I actually, the one body bodybuilding contest I did, I used that for my, my posing routine. Um, it's a great buildup, the, the song is, for sure. It does. It's got power behind it. That's the it, nice thing. Yeah, I like that. Excellent. So guys, thanks everybody for those questions. Now we're going to get back into another gear because you had an interesting topic you wanted to chat about tonight. Right. The fact that uh, it's about the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. Now, when you and I were talking, it seems like how it started is not where it is now. Right. Rob, and this is, this is, um, again, <clears throat> I don't even know how to talk about it. it it's, Everything has gotten so confusing. I remember the first Black Lives Matter. This is me, okay, everyone. This isn't this isn't Rob or this isn't uh, anyone else that comes on our podcast or uh, this is someone who just never voted and looking at things. I, I don't I don't have any hidden agendas against anyone. But my first experience with Black Lives Matter is sort of funny. <clears throat> I was over in Memphis and that's away from my house here, just a few miles. But they had done a uh, march that day and blocked. The bridge and I couldn't get home without going around and around and around. So again, didn't understand what Black Lives Matter really was about, other you know, just because it was the beginning stages of it, really hadn't heard a lot about it. But my first experience was you know, now they're affecting me getting home. So again, uh, I started off with a bad taste. But after examining it and looking into it and listening to a lot of people that I respect, you know, um, um, and I always look for opinions for people that have you know, good insight and stuff like that. And I said, and then I think I told you, Rob, I, I saw this thing on PBS one time. I had Tom Hanks and Oprah Winfrey. And um, really what I got out of that was this, that, you know, um, and then talking to other people too, that's just what I got. I came out of all of it is that, you know, we have to be able to say just that black lives matter. And leave it at that. We, we can't have to say, hey, hey, Sid Dice matter too. Well, because um, if that was the case, then I need to make up my own sign that says, hey, Sid's life too, or um, something like that. So now, and I'm not saying this to be rude or anything like that, ugly, but watching that deal on PBS with Tom Hanks at Open Winfrey, they didn't say this directly, but I got from this a little bit, and I use this sometimes trying to persuade people to just say black lives matter uh and when i got to the point that you know they always had their their stance against it and then i'd always fall to this i'd go but what if he just said it just where they they couldn't say anything else you know and still that wasn't enough you know it was like no 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 and um but this is too rob this is what point i want to make is that these are the people you know, first up, you and I talk about it, and I know Rob, everyone, is a very sensible person. He's not racist bone in him. He's a really great human being. But some of the people I talk to about this matter aren't. Uh, and I'll give you an example. A couple of people I know, Linda and Richard Cox, we were coming out of a um, restaurant, Poncho's, and I had come out of the bathroom. They were right ahead of me. And I heard Richard say to Linda, hey, uh, 
you didn't have to say that to that girl. And I saw a little colored girl sweeping, you know, a girl that worked there at Poncho's. And I, and I knew exactly what happened because Linda's stance is she wants to say the N-word anywhere she wants to. And so um, I, I, and, uh, Richard was embarrassed. I'm, I, I'm embarrassed at this point. So I said, Linda, what happened? He goes, she said N-word. And I said, why did you do that? She goes, well, I can say what I want to. And I went, well, no, you can't. I said, but, um, you know, because this girl was young. I said, uh, but what have you hurt her feelings? No, not again. You can say what you want. I don't think you should say that. Uh, she goes, well, I don't care. And then you could tell it did. She was thinking about that part. You know, okay. Yeah, I should say what I want. But no, I, even though I'm one of these people who want to say what I want to say, I can say, yeah, that's not really nice, even though I'm not going to agree with you. You know, so. When that's some of the people you're dealing with talking to say, okay, I, I'm trying to talk you into saying just Black Lives Matter. So when you're dealing with d different types of people to try to understand something like Black Lives Matter that no one knows about or never going to know because we haven't lived that struggle, right, Rob? Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like that episode in South Park where, where it came down to about racism. This is the first time I actually got it. Stan was asking Token. You know, hey, my dad's not. It was, it was about the, you know, the the end guy. It was when his dad said the end word on uh, Will of Fortune. He said, "My dad's not really a bad guy. Why, why is everybody mad at him?" He just says, "Stan, you just don't get it." And about the fifth time to the show, he just says, "Stan, you just don't get it." It hit me. We're never going to get it, okay? Because we didn't live that, and that's what we got to tell ourselves too. We're not going to get it, so we have to try to pull ourselves back and understand whatever it is. But have said all that it is hard for me now to say that to anyone you know i can't really i don't know if i can say that to someone now or you know uh fight that sam you know I, I i want you to say just black lives matter because i think as rob you're the one who taught me into watching fox news um there is some qu things to be questioned about that right now um I'll go back and do say this um, for that movement and, every, and for both movements. I, I don't still agree with this, but I heard someone, I can't remember who it was, they were talking about why so much protesting going on. And they said sometimes, you know, for instance, you know, if some protesting doesn't go on, even the people that are making the right decisions and taking this to Congress and blah, 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 when it gets in time to present a bill or a law or something like that about it, if there wasn't enough steam behind it when it got there, it's not going to be recognized. And I can understand that a little bit. You know, um, where John Lewis said a little good troubles, good trouble, whatever, a little bad troubles, good, whatever, how he said that. I agree with that. Uh, but that, again, it's got to be simple protesting. It can't be what it is now. Um, so, and we talked about last week, or was waiting for too, about, um, had heard a lot about the monuments and statues, but it's just, um, I think we have to rethink everything uh, and hope everybody will just slow down and, and um, um, think about what we're doing before we do it. You know, it's just, um, it has been fun, Robert. I told you this morning, watching this election is like betting on a college basketball game. <laughs> It is. Like one minute, you're like, I mean, now I've said Donald Trump was going to lose two years ago. Nothing against Donald Trump, everyone. It was just a sort of gut feeling I got because the guy was just, I never went through a day of not seeing or hearing something about the guy. And I was just using it as a wrestling philosophy that he's overexposed. And when people get overexposed, uh, and I used uh, Tim Tebow for an example, the guy only did good things and people hated him, you know? So, again, if you can hate Tim Tebow, you can definitely dislike Donald Trump. So, um, again, I, I, I got in this as just a joke, but it's, um, it's been educational. One, I would never bet anyone this far out again, Maggie, if you're listening. Hey, kudos to Maggie, too. Um, she got kicked off Facebook. She's like, oh, she's a rebel out there now. I don't know if she's listening tonight or not. I talked to her yesterday. Well, there's a little conversation going on here. I'm just noticing because Cheryl asked, Sid, did you just say color girl? And I, yeah, I'm not sure if that's a, a term that's bad or not. I, I, I lose track anymore. Yeah, me too. I, I, I did. I think I did say little color girl. 
I, I don't know what's right or not right to say on that, uh, that subject. Yeah. Well, Adonna Maggie Williamson said he didn't mean any disrespect on. No, I don't. I don't. No, not at all. I still um, love you, Sid. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. No, I, that girl was, uh, again, I felt so bad for that day. Um, you know, again, um, I've seen people um, that distance themselves by doing things like that. There was one guy, he's passed away now, but he would do things like uh, with Harvey Whippleman, and I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but Harvey's always dated black girls. And I never, you can ask Harvey, I never made fun of him or anything like that. We joked about it. But Buddy would always say the N-word to Bruno. It was like, you still dating that N-girl, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it was devastating for Bruno. So Bruno just told me what they could say. I'm not going back around um, Buddy anymore. And years later, Buddy asked me, Bruno, don't come around anymore. I said, well, Buddy, it's because um, you, you're insulting his girlfriend all the time with the N-word. Well, um, well, see, I just feel like I got to say what I got to say. Now, I told Buddy this, and everyone knows me. I was one of those people at one time. Not about every issue in life, but if I felt like I wanted to say something, um, you know, I, I wanted to say it. And um, I didn't have, you know, learned that that could hurt people's feelings sometimes. It wasn't worth the – and probably why I did it, everyone, is because I always wanted to win at everything I did. And even in a verbal warfare, I found that probably more satisfying to win in a physical warfare. Um, but again, I, then when I realized what I was doing to people, I said, no, I want to stop this. I don't want to, I don't want mm -hmm. to hurt people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Craig uh, put in here too. He goes, I've accidentally done that years ago. And he says, well, and I live in Ohio. Well, we all have done that, you know, and that's, but we learn from our mistakes. And of course, I'm not trying to get holy and all this stuff. I learned a lot of this, guys, after I started going to church a few years ago, um, after my Aunt Joyce had passed away. And, um, you know, church to me, everyone is real simple. It just says, you know, don't do stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. say to me, it doesn't say any more than that. Just do good things. And the difference between God and good, everyone, is one. Oh, that's it. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, Thomas here. What did Thomas say? I can tell Rob is a good guy. Much respect to you too, Sid. Great, uh, great upfront men. Amen. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Thanks Thomas. No, um, I don't know. Um, when I see what we're seeing today, Rob, and you and I talk about it in the mornings, it's sort of funny. Me and Rob's like about six months behind on all the predictions. So this morning, me and Rob were talking through our walk, and I said, Rob, and we're talking about the lady, um, the uh, the judge who just passed away there, um, the Supreme Court. Oh, RBG. RBG, Miss um, Ruth, what's your name? Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ginsburg, Miss Ginsburg. Um, we were talking about that, and, and um, of course, I said, we were talking about how long it would take Trump to nominate someone. I said, Rob, he'll do it sometime today. And I haven't watched news all weekend because I've been working and watching college football and stuff. And I found out he actually did it yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, he hasn't nominated, but he always says he's got like 50 people he's going to do. You know, it's just um, – but we, we do laugh about this stuff in the morning, everyone. We're not taking it that serious. Well, I, I didn't. I am taking some things serious. I am worried about a lot of things out there. Um, I'm Again, I'm just worried. I don't want to, you know, the, I was uh, went to church Wednesday to hand out, you know, help with some of the people that are needy over there, on the, you know, having a hard, tough time right now. Um, and there was a lady there that has never been there before. She's been coming as well. And we were talking about, she was talking about, they talk about politics in the morning. And of course, I've never voted. And I, I just, I tell people that, um, honestly, I'm, I'm betting. As far as the betting man, I'm betting against Donald Trump. But at this point today, I don't want Donald Trump to lose to Joe Biden. Because when I bet against Donald Trump, everyone, I didn't think Joe Biden was going to be the only person running. You know, uh, I, I just could have never imagined this in a million years. So, uh, and everything's, I mean, the only thing, Robin, you, you can testify this. The one thing I, I'm worried about, and I'm worried that Joe Biden won't even address it because it's something they say Bernie Sanders is more. Um, leaning towards and makes Joe Biden look bad. And that's um, 
uh, climate change. <laughs> when I heard it, man, climate change people are really weird. I thought, man, maybe I'm wrong about that. You know, so again, uh, uh, that's the only thing he really stands for. And when you see the guy, and I'm not being rude, and the lady got mad at me at church this past Wednesday. I said, um, there's something wrong with Joe Biden, man. And she goes, well, don't you know that he, he's been suffering from a speech impediment? I said, yeah, but he wasn't like this uh, 10 years ago. Uh, and we all should. I mean, this is the thing is I'm not trying to take it for him or uh, Donald Trump when J Donald Trump couldn't get a glass of water to his face. People, I can't do that myself sometimes, you know, and I mean, and I'm 59. So there's no way I could do what a president has to do right now with, of course, the injuries I have. So if I was 80 years old, there's no way, no way I couldn't do it. Yeah. But you know, this is the first time, Rob, sorry, but I, I think this is the first time I ever really said that there should be an age limit on this stuff. You know, you really got to wonder. And you, you do because you, know, you want your president to be there for at least the term, you know? Right. Well, this is something uh, I've said, and I think me and Maggie talked about it the other day, uh, was that I've never seen anyone going to say I'm going to be president. And you go, okay, first of all, I'm not going to probably run for a second term. And the reason I'm picking Kamala Harris is because she's the one that can take over just in case something happens to me. <laughs> I was thinking, I've never heard that. You know, I don't want to hear that. It's like here, Mr. Rogers isn't here anymore. You know, I don't want to know that presidents don't want to be president, you know? Yeah. Um, that completely. Hey, it was funny. I guess this old friend of mine, she's like 87 or something. She's an old hippie, you know, big pot smoker. And she's really down to earth, not a racist at all. But she she doesn't realize Kamala Harris is black, right? Um, she thinks she's um, Asian. Really? <laughs> yeah, so she keeps telling me the same story. She goes, I go, she's never going to vote either. She's like me. She goes, yes, it is. She, I, don't, I just don't know. Uh, about Joe Biden, he's talking like he might not live for four years. And we're going to get stuck with this girl he's running with him. Heck, that be we'll have an Asian in office. <laughs> <laughs> might be just off a little bit on that. I know, right? It's like, I have not told her any difference. <laughs> I haven't, you know. Oh, man. Um, here's a comment from Chad I wanted to get up. I think there's a big leap from speaking your truth and knowing what you're saying is harming someone. And it's right. good, of you, good of you to know the difference. Well, this is something too. I never was a bully in my life. Didn't like bullies. And um stood up for a lot of people that did get bullied, especially in, in high school. Um, got beat up a couple of times doing that. So again, it's just um I'm not for that. Now I do have a I did have a time in my life in the sixth grade that I used to torture this girl uh during um break time with we'd come back from um, for lunch and the teacher would always go to the smoker cigarette what they did in the teacher's office and uh, we'd have like that 30 minutes with no no one to watch us and me and this little fat guy named stanley griffin we used to terrorize this poor girl man named renee cook and i'll never forget it and it's something i'm telling you i i, I, re, I just hate myself when i think about it and we never did anything bad like we'd get her to chase one of the one of the two of us and one of the one of us would hide in front of the desk and stick our leg out and trip her, you know. <laughs> it was like, you know, just horrible. Yeah, just horrible, you know. Uh, so, I think once you've done that once, you look back at it and go, "Wow, I, I look pretty stupid doing that," you know. Well, yeah, I I know there is stuff I did when I was in public school. You know, I'm looking at it going, "Wow, was I immature?" Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. I think I'm a jerk now, but no way <laughs> back back then. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Uh, thanks for thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Good to know you got my back. Buddy. I was hoping you didn't pick up on that. Well, yeah, you were. Uh, That's okay. Back from Steve, and it actually loops us back into the topic. Uh, Jonathan Isaacs of Orlando Magic didn't wear a Black Lives Matters T-shirt because he said Black Lives Matter, the group, doesn't have anything to do with Black Lives anymore. I added anymore. He didn't have that, but. No, I, I think that's the problem right now. Um, again, Rob, remember the other morning I asked you, I heard something that supposedly the president of the NAACP tweeted that uh, they actually pulled off there. It was so bad. Um, I can understand, again, when things have been so bad for you that you, you're 
reaching out and acting and doing things. Um, but we got to pull ourselves back. We can't, you know, if, if, if I'm in charge of something like Black Lives Matter, I'm saying, hey, guys, we can't lose our, our goal. Our goal is to make a positive um, influence on, on what our what we're trying to do. And if we if we're taking any time, taking a step back for something that's not positive, um, we're not doing we're not going anywhere. And right now, I think they're just spinning the wheels. You know, what what happens, I think, a lot of times, Rob, not to cut you off, but I think when we see things like this, we'll see something branch out of Black Lives Matter that will probably be a, a better a better movement. Well, I think we talked about this earlier today, too. Um, with the Black Lives Matter movement, it started out what I think was a great cause. Yes. But whatever has happened between then and now, right now it seems to have a very tarnished name. And well, sadly, it's just like business. It's about branding. That, that right. name is tarnished. And this is the thing. Unfortunately, a lot of this probably aren't people directly con- connected to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Uh, when they say this and we see the polls, it's only like like single digit percentage of people are doing these things. Uh, and some of the people who are doing these things aren't connected to Black Lives Matter. They're uh, uh, Ativa groups and all these other things. So uh, that's the thing is, too, we got so many people in these places like Seattle and all these other places that are just I mean, we don't know who's who, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That's why we need everyone to calm down and stop all this. You know, um, where's Mr. Rogers when you need him? You know, we send Mr. Mr. Rogers down to uh, Portland and to Chicago. Uh, Now, think about Chicago, everyone. They have that many shootings and deaths on a normal week. Probably has nothing to do with the looting and the rioting. I often, I actually wondered about that. No, anytime, and I've seen this on Viceland. Anytime you hear a statistic about Chicago, you have to, you go, wow, that, that's not really true. You know, because I think sometimes one or two people are shot and killed there almost every day. Um, it's really mind boggling how many people get shot in Chicago. Uh, said, uh, I do agree. It sh- there should be an age limit for a president. No, <laughs> I do. I do too. And um, again, it just didn't become, you know, didn't stand out to me because again, this is the first time I really followed a uh, president race. Um, but yeah, Donald Trump is on the borderline of being too old. Um, but he's still, he does a better job at rambling than Joe Biden does. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, makes sense. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. You're going to like this. The doctor is back. Dr. Stevel. Okay. Oh my God. And he said, Joe Rogan joked that Biden was like a flashlight with dying batteries. <laughs> really? It really is, man. I mean, and again, um, I don't want to be mean to this guy. I'm just saying what I'm seeing. And I don't have, I, like they were saying, I don't have a dog in this race, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, I, 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 but I'm having fun watching the race. You know, it's like a train wreck, not a race. But um, no, I just, uh, there's something wrong with him. Um, and if I was, again, I mean, I'm 59 and I still have these incognite moments like he has, you know, so at 78, I can imagine the way I'd come across, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas said here, Sid, it's hard to believe you got beat up in high school. Not very often, but every once in a while I did. Now, I went to a uh, pretty tough school. And also when I was a kid growing up, said, until I got to the 15 years old or something like that, I was just really tall and skinny. And really wasn't that tall till I got, say, seventh, eighth grade or ninth grade, you know. Um, so I wasn't really that big of a kid growing up at first. Uh, oh, apparently Steve will said, yep, still a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see here. Find one more thing we'll throw in. And trying to find it. I always look really quick through the list for something with a question mark. Here, let's just grab the last one. Biden is coming across as a feeble old man. The debate is going to be Sid versus Marty Jannetty. It'll be sort of, it'll be about the same. No, <laughs> I think, um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, the only thing about Joe Biden, he could probably get, he, he looks sometimes, he does come across as that angry old man. 
And I can see him attacking Trump in one of these debates. You know, he's already threatening him at least two or three times about taking him out behind the woodshed. <laughs> That's you know, true. <laughs> he has, you know, and, uh, you know, those, this is the thing I learned about as I was a kid on the farm. You don't mess with old people. One, they have no reason. They're, they're about dead anyway. There was this old guy. He's like, I'm not a kid. He looked like 120 years old. His name was John Bamberg. And, um, he, did, he couldn't really do much. He could only just really drive a tractor and haul stuff around. But he was always there on time. He never was late. Worked all day. But uh, there was this old guy on the farm named Woodrow. Really strong guy. Really funny. We had a lot of fun together working out there. But he'd always mess with old John. And uh, John pulled like a small knife out of his pocket. And somehow Woodrow would get that knife from him. And then he'd go to his other pocket, pull out a little bigger knife. And then he'd go to it. He always had overalls on then he'd come out with his knife about this long out of the side of his pants pocket and his leg. And Woodrow would go, hey, that's enough. And I said, Woodrow, I told you, man, old people don't fool around, man. <laughs> okay, I know I said that was the last one, but I got two more quick ones. Steve says 14-14 halftime. Cool, Steve. Take a break, Steve. And then Chad said right here, and this will be the perfect one to end it. Uh, so who wins in a fight with these two? Biden versus Trump. Who wins? You know, it's one of those situations where they'll, you heard the saying is one person is scared. The other person is proud of it. I think that's what happened. I can see them like running towards each other and getting right there and go, oh, you want to fight? Yeah, you want to fight? Well, yeah, no, you want to fight? No, you want to fight. You know, cross this line. No, you cross this line. And it goes on for on and on. And Chris Wallace is the one doing the first debate. And he gets he actually falls asleep. And then um uh, <laughs> Then it'll be like Bruno and those old girls he used to argue with in the bars. By the end of the night, they're both hugging and crying together at the podium. Go, no, Joe, I, I really, I really like you. No, I, I really like you. You know, I can see it happening like that. Well, like Thomas that. is our job for you in it. He goes, Sid, maybe you can be special guest referee in the Trump versus Biden hardcore match. It's, and I'll tell you what it is: is I'm gonna get um, Kanye West. And it's gonna be. Me and uh, Kanye West against the two of them in the tag team. <laughs> there we go. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna jump in as vice president for Kanye West. <laughs> See, we have to end it there. How can you top Kanye? There you go. All right, man. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank this, you, too, Rob. This has been a blast, guys. Thank you so much for those questions, too. So, I guess that's it for the vicious circle this week, guys. Thank you for tuning in again this week i know that um this uh could be hard on some people hearing about the politics we're talking about rob you did have said did you say somebody asked about oh that suggested we do a post campaign yeah post election podcast post election so i think a few people are listening to this um we do want your feedback on this you know I, i've been honest i don't know anything what i'm doing i'm learning as i go along i do think a to have a simple view on things is a great way to be able to look at things, pull yourself back and not take, and I'm not taking this serious as some people do. Um, but it is, it is sort of fun to watch this, you know? So uh, we are, we're going to follow this for the next, until this is over with. Um, and we, again, we appreciate your comments, your, your uh, questions and, and just keep them coming every week guys. And thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, Rob Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast is produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Productions, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music is Unleash the Giants by Cemetery Spawn, and the outro music is Digging Space by Mike Treblecock.